My name is uh, Jakub Karczewski. Uh, I work as a machine learning engineer at Neton, which is a fraud prevention company based in Warsaw, Poland. And today I would like to talk to you, to you about the project Olympics. So um, what is Olympics? Um, Olympics is a platform for mobile game development that offers two services out of the box. That is matchmaking and anti-doping service. Um, Neton was responsible for development of an anti-doping service, so I will focus on that part of the project during this talk. The main idea behind Olympics platform was to free game developers from implementation of services that aren't directly game-related, so that they can focus on what they do best and quite likely they like best, so build games. So you can ask, like, why preventing doping matters is even a big problem. So. With the rise of both esports, which are right now mainly played on personal computers and mobile gaming, especially in Asia, we anticipate that the problem of fraud, cheating, doping, or e-doping, I will use all of the synonyms, uh, all, of, all of the terms as synonyms here, will force organizers of mobile esport competitions to seek anti-cheat solutions. So similarly to other uh, online fraud scenarios, like for example, e-commerce fraud, and, uh, the thing that lures the cheaters or, or the fraudsters are the financial gains. And with the increasing prices in the mobile esport competitions, we expect that this will transfer as well. So you could like ask a question like, how does a fin fintech company fit into the game development landscape? Like, uh, what are we doing here? So first of all, we should look at the similarities between cheating in mobile esports and online fraud because they bear quite a few of them. Um, to name two, uh, firstly, they both leave traces in hardware and software of the device that is used for either cheating or fraud. So, for example, to to uh, to perform a fraud on a uh, on an e-commerce page, taking the example from the previous slide, uh, you would have some custom custom uh, software uh, installed and. Uh, maybe even some hardware that's not very typical for the purchase. So the same, the same goes with the cheaters. They they need some special software that like enables the logic of the cheating. So such anomalies in both hardware and software configuration of the device are described by data coming from our proprietary device profiling tool that I will talk about more later. And this is the first similarity. So we have traces in hardware and software uh, when performing this uh, act. So secondly, there's this behavioral layer. So fraudsters or here cheaters, they behave differently from regular users. So again, in e-commerce, they will move around the page differently. They may try to trick you that they are you know, looking for something, but actually uh, they behave differently. In, in game context, they may do, they might do things that game logic uh, doesn't allow them to do or uh, they might perform acts that are actually allowed, but in a different um, in a different dynamic. So there are two differences. The main is um, hardware and software of the device, and the behavioral behavioral layer. So because of those two similarities, we decided to see how we can leverage our know-how of utilizing both the profiling, so so the data coming uh, from the device profiler, and the client's data. So actually, in this case, the game play data. 
to return reliable recommendations on suspiciousness of a given user. So since cheating in games is a very complex problem, there are very game-specific cheats that are uh, not really, it's not, it's not, it's not easy to, to solve them with an out-of-the-box solution. Uh, we decided to narrow down our focus and, and approach the problem similarly to the way we approach online fraud. So first of all, we decided to analyze, as I said before, hardware and software configuration of players' devices. We are analyzing their networkings, TCP IP network stack, uh, and also behavioral data coming from the phones. So we are talking about uh, accelerometer, uh, etc. So, and that's one source of the data. Another source of the data is the data describing the gameplay characteristics. So it's actually provided to us by the game service and via uh, by the game developer specification. So they can deliver us some vectors representing the starting state, the end state of the match, and for example, game events that are sampled uh, from the gameplay. So here we didn't focus on analyzing raw gameplay data, for example, the video feed, um, but our solution is designed so as to enable adding new data sources and new models as we grow. Okay, so uh, the uh, mobile device profiling. So we created two native profiling tools available uh, as an SDKs for two most popular mobile platforms. So that is Android and iOS. And we purposefully chose lower level languages in order to uh, boost our ability to gather data about both hardware and software configuration of the devices. Um, another issue was efficiency. So um, profiling of the device cannot interfere with the user experience of the player because it's unacceptable. Uh, so both resource consumption and the size of the data sent to servers had to be minimized. So we used uh, proper compression algorithms and for data coming from sensors, which takes quite a lot of space, we had to do some sampling. Um, also for, for the iOS, the SDK increases the app size by two megabytes. For Android, it's three megabytes. So it's actually not that much. Last but not least, um, security. Um, security of the data transmission is of paramount importance in this scenario because potential attackers could just try to spoof the data we send to the servers so as to look as legitimate users. So that's why we highly prioritize security of data transmission between devices that are being profiled and our servers. Okay, so moving on to the next slide about profiler. Um, Apart from delivering data that can be used by ML models, providing tools provide numerous signals that represent higher level uh, device characteristics. So we have quite a few of them uh, listed here. The first one is routing and jailbreak. Um, very often the software that is uh, used for, for example, spoofing or other cheat or fraud related operations requires privilege control of the device. So for Android, we have routing. For iOS, we have spoofing. Um, this signal, despite not being fraudulent uh, itself, like always, uh, it, it correlates with, with cheating uh, greatly. So it's very important for our models. It's a pretty, pretty important input. Another part, another signal that we can mention is in general spoofing. You can spoof many things. For example, you can spoof the device you're using. Um, Spoofing in general is pretending that, in this case, the device is, is, is claiming that it's something else. So we have like a 
let's say uh, Linux running some emulator and it tells us that it's an Android phone. You can also spoof locations. So for example, you can have phones that are in a different location and telling, telling us that they have different coordinates. So this can also be detected by, uh, by our SDKs. Um, another mechanism is hooking detection. So as I said before, uh, security is very important here. We have our transmission is secure, but also the, the logic, the code that uh, that's inside the SDK is also uh, robust to hooking. If someone wants to inject some logic into our SDK so that uh, it pretends, for example, uh, he or she is a, a regular user, we can detect that. Also, we are detecting non-standard devices usage. So for example, we have a, a phone, as I said before, running an emulation and playing a mobile game. It's actually pretty suspicious. So that's also like a higher level flag. We analyze the TCP layer, the networking layer. So this is also like covered by our SDKs. And actually many more, we have a lot of low level um, data points that uh, are not inter interpretable as easily as, as, the, as the ones I mentioned uh, before, but they're all fed to our machine learning models that then look for anomalies uh, in the data. So, so our SDKs both provide like high level human understandable signals that can be like looked up in a panel, but they also like provide some low level data that's not actually meant uh, for humans to understand. It's, it's for the machine learning purposes. Okay, so looking here, you can see the architecture of our solution. Each block represents a service or a group of services. And going from the left side, we have Olympic service. It's actually the service that hosts the mobile game uh, and interacts with uh, end users mobile device that's on, on the top. Um, also, we have our risk API. Risk API is used as an aggregator that collects raw data from numerous sources. Like, for example, from profiler, you have you have the block uh, uh, on the top. Um, yes, and it feeds uh, the data, uh, collect data to the machine learning engine, which can be seen on the right. Uh, machine learning engine is responsible for raw data transformation, so it transforms like raw data coming from the risk API into uh, a vector that's understood by the anomaly detection machine learning model, and then the machine learning engine performs inference. So in the chart, you can see um, two colored arrows. Uh, since I'm a machine learning engineer, it's really machine learning centered. So we have blue, uh, blue arrows. They are representing the data that flows to the machine learning model. So we can see it starts with the user's device and flows to the machine learning model, to the anomaly detection model, actually. And we have the green arrows that represent the, um, the model's response being forwarded to the game service and then to the end user's mobile device. So just as an example, uh, uh, example flow of, of, this, of this entire architecture takes less than one second. So it's pretty efficient. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's say a match ends and an Olympic service sends a request for recommendation to the risk API. And then the risk API requests data from the profiler because uh, it wants to know um, what kind of device, what's the software, what's the hardware configuration of the device. 
and it uh, merges it with the data coming from Olympic service, which is like uh, describing the gameplay characteristics. So the start state, the end state, the game events, and then with entire data package is uh, forwarded to the machine learning engine, which is responsible for all the feature engineering. So raw data points are transformed into like meaningful features. And then it's fed to the anomaly detection model. The anomaly detection model returns a score. The score is then interpreted by machine learning engine, forwarded to the risk API. The risk API performs, for example, a threshold incorporation, deciding what kind of risk we are talking about, and then responds to the Olympic service, the recommendation, whether it's a cheater, potential cheater, or, or maybe a legitimate usage. And depending on the, the logic that the game developers implement uh, in their game, the, the response uh, comes back to the user's phone with like an appropriate message or, or any kind of action actually. Okay, so moving on, machine learning engine. Um, yeah, for our anomaly detection, we decided to use isolation forest uh, algorithm. It's an algorithm that is uh, used for, for yeah, anomaly detection, as I said, um, because in the final format after the feature engineering mentioned before, our data is in the structured format, and we verified that our data sources work best with tree-based methods. So, isolation forest uses decision trees um, as base estimators, same as, for example, gradient boosting that is employed to some classification tasks in other areas of our business, and it just works well. So, isolation forest has also a, a pretty nice advantage. Uh, it provides depth-based feature importance via a method called DIFI, I guess that's the spelling. It spells it D-I-F-F-I. Um, basically, the method enables us to, to see which factors, which inputs to the model were decisive uh, in, in a particular response. So we say we have a high score for a particular match. We can see that, for example, some feature of, of the phone, of a set of features of the phone scored high. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's the reason that the model uh, decided to, for example, reject the, um, the match. So uh, as for feature engineering for each data source, um, data from mobile profiler and data from, from the gameplay, we created custom transformations that turn raw data points into meaningful features. And to give some examples for profiling data, we can talk about IP addresses mismatches. We collect IP addresses from, from the TCP uh, layer, from various points in TCP communication. We, um, we also collect, for example, from even sometimes from game developers, and we can check for mismatches. Uh, we can also compute distances uh, from geolocation. We can geolocate IPs and etc. So whenever we have coordinates, we can compute distances, and sometimes those distances are very uh, very important for the models. We also have quite a few differential features, especially for the behavioral data. So whenever we have um, we have uh, data from sensors, uh, we have like a lot of differential features that kind of uh, let us uh, get the uh, characteristics of, 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 of a player's behavior, uh, and maybe like features like, for example, the time of the session. Yeah. If someone wins, like and the session time is one second, that, something might be suspicious. Um, and for the game data, it's it's very game specific. If we are talking, for example, a game like like similar to Hearthstone, we can we can have features that inform us about changes in game er, uh, arena, 
uh, about availability or the usage of, of a certain equipment or, or spells or some skills. Um, basically anything that describes the game dynamic uh, fits here. So on the right hand side, you can see a chart titled fraud scores. Um, and the chart presents the results of, of an experiment where we exposed, um, as I said before, Hearthstone-like game developed using the Olympics platform to the developers <clears throat> that they weren't actually familiar with the inner workings of our uh, anti-cheat solution. Uh, and their task was to find ways in, in which they could cheat the game so that they can like get more points or equipment and not heroes like advance in the game in general. So on the chart, you can see the distribution of anomaly detection models predictions. So the higher the score, the higher the probability of the game being um, a cheating sample. We can see that the cheating sample marked with red uh, vertical lines, that's doping sample number one, two, and three, are right uh, from, the, from the 95th percentile. So we can say that the, the, the actual doping samples that we collected were in the 5% most risky uh, most risky games. So actually this um, initially validates this, 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 this approach. Um, influential features according to the um, feature importance I mentioned earlier were related to availability of heroes. So, so it was coming from the game data, but also a connection type. Uh, so data from profiler uh, was important. Uh, some of the cheats uh, marked with the red lines weren't actually matches. Uh, the developers were just scanning the application with Wireshark, looking for, for some communication, and then shooting HTTP requests uh, to, for example, start a game with, with all the heroes, which is like impossible. So we can see that um, the information, the anomaly sometimes resides in the, in the hardware and software, but sometimes you can also uh, find it in the, in the game logic. Okay, so moving along, future works. Um, in order to gather more training data, which is always uh, very precious in machine learning scenarios, uh, especially doping samples in this case, because they are rare, uh, and further verify the performance of our system, uh, we plan to organize a hackathon where developers will have a chance to try as many cheating techniques as possible on an example a mobile game developed using Olympics platform. This input from the hackathon is very valuable for us because, firstly, it will let us come up with new feature engineering transformations that will capture the nature of, of particular cheating techniques. So that's that's making our system uh, more bulletproof. Um, but also, uh, if if we gather enough uh, doping exam examples, and finally, of course, will uh, we we want to switch to a supervised uh, learning uh, machine learning algorithm because, uh, of course. Uh, unsupervised is good, but but supervised often provides better uh, better uh, results, at least in this scenario. So uh, this is also one of our motivations. Okay, so thank you for your attention. Um, if any of you happen to have problems with cheating in your games, we are happy to schedule a call to share experiences on the topic. And also, if if any of you have questions, me and uh, Philip Spatek, who is also on the on the on the call on the talk, uh, we'll be happy to answer them now. So again, thank you very much. Uh, 
thanks a lot, Jakub. Thanks for the presentation. Uh, I will try to uh, make your uh, co-speaker, Philip, also a panelist so that he can actually answer questions. We do have one question from Alexander Roos. Uh, how do you make sure that the tools you provide with the SDK are not used to monitor user activity for purposes outside of doping detection? e.g. advertisement or data collection or general data collection. So that is the question. I'll uh, look for your co-speaker so it becomes panelist too. Okay. Um, well, I can, I, can, uh, I can say that right now we are, uh, we are working uh, on, let's say, pretty initial stages of the project. So actually we haven't, uh, haven't uh, encountered the problem yet because we haven't uh, made it available. Um, but, but that's a valid, that's a pretty valid, uh, valid question and, and the solution to, to that, uh, to that problem, uh, will, will, will appear on the roadmap. So, so we haven't yet encountered such, such a, such a problem because it's not public, the, the, the project, but a pretty valid concern. So unfortunately, I don't have a question, but we, we haven't yet uh, encountered that. Yeah, if I may. So for now, we focus solely on uh, anti-fraud aspects of uh, mobile apps. So we do not focus on advertising. All right, I relay another um, question that we have. Like, are there any serious issues that you know about in esports which have warranted your technology at this time, or? Is it, uh, uh, is this preemptive? So what like, uh, what other issues in eSport uh, uh, might warrant your technology? Uh, yeah, so our project is in really initial state. Uh, so we are happy to test it out uh, with whoever has any problems with doping related uh, issues. For now, we tested this solution only uh, with help of our friends from a uh, company that we cooperate with, that is Daft Mobile. Uh, and these were two games, two simple games, but it allowed us to validate the, uh, the main idea and also validate if we are able indeed to detect suspicious actions uh, that happen in the games, in the mobile games. So I think Connor clarified a little bit. The question is like, yeah, was there I like was wondering if there had been any big scandals that I may never have heard of, which like served as the motivation for your technology, or if this is all like, oh, this is going to be a big issue in the near future, so you want to be ready for it, sort of situation. Yeah. So of course. There were a lot of scandals related to uh, desktop games, but we simply envisioned that it will move to, to mobile games as well, uh, considering the simply trends uh, that we can observe on the markets. So the mobile games are becoming more and more popular. Okay, so, so there's no big example, but you picture it as an inevitability at this point. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you. 